What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today, everyone, if you are going through heartbreak, if you have been through heartbreak, and you know what? Even if you're not dealing with heartbreak because grief and letting shit go is fucking universal, this episode is going to give you some golden shit. So sit back, grab a drink, grab your journal, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. I did not in chapter six. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on her Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. All right, y'all, you are in for a treat today because Claire Byrne, the heartbreak coach herself, is here. We are digging into all things relationships, the important pieces of being in a relationship and really what needs to be there, what you should be looking for. And of course, whenever we talk about relationships on this show, that spans past romantic relationships. This can be applied to any type of relationship in your life. We are going to dig into getting over heartbreak. She has a legitimate five-step program of what of the things you need to check off on your list. And again, if you're not dealing with a heartbreak, this is for any type of letting go, moving on, because heartbreak and grief is all in the same motherfucking family, as we know. We are going to talk about paying attention to your gut. Who is this like person that's in front of me? What am I ready to take on? Not putting all your eggs into one fucking basket right off the bat. Are you feeling triggered yet? <laughs> Are you feeling called out? <laughs> and how can someone tell if you're not ready to be in a relationship? How can you tell if someone's not ready to be in a relationship? We're going to touch on love bombing how to communicate all of the good fucking things that you need to walk into a healthy relationship. So let's get healthy, shall we? Let's get into it. Claire Byrne, welcome to FML Talk. I am so thrilled to have you here for this conversation today. Oh, Gabrielle, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. When you reached out, I was like, how could I not? Oh, my gosh. My soul sister. Clearly. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yes, I cannot wait. For everyone that doesn't know who you are and what you do, can you give them a little bit of a background? Sure. I am a heartbreak and finding love coach. I fell onto this journey, similar experience as you found myself in a very narcissistic, abusive relationship at 29, 30 years old. I'm now I'm about to turn 42. And it really just turned my life upside down. I was already a yoga teacher. I was a bit of a soul searcher. I'd had a couple of heartbreaks before, but this was like no other. And I just kept searching, especially at that time around 2010. There really wasn't Instagram or there was Instagram, but it wasn't what it is now. And uh, coaching is now such a saturated industry. And I only discovered it in a around 2016, 2017. I'd obviously heard of it, but I never really delved into it. And it really was the thing that just blew my mind open and changed so much for me in terms of my relationship with myself and who I was attracting and how I was choosing men and 
I found myself even after becoming a coach, heartbroken one more time, Gabrielle in 2017. Cherry and on it was top. Then <laughs> cherry on top because I was now in a position where, okay, I know what to do with this. This still really fucking hurts. Mm-hmm. I know I know how to approach this. And then I was curious to see if there were heartbreak coaches out there because I still wanted help. Yeah. And there was really nothing. And I was like, oh, wait a second. I've been doing all of this to become the heartbreak coach that I was searching for. And then ultimately that just took off. And then once I was really happy in my singledom and over all the Mr. Wrongs and really clear about that, I decided to create a process to call in the man of my dreams, which I did. So it just expanded into heartbreak and finding love. And now I have a program called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sensitive to the heteronormative terms all women, you know, are welcome. I do coach women only, but I don't care about race, gender, sexual orientation, and all of that. Or I, I guess I do care about gender, I should say. I do right. coach women only, but I just, because of my own experience as a straight woman, that's the title of the course, but don't, or the program, but don't take it too literally. Literal, right, right. <laughs> I so love that because, I mean, obviously my readership and my listeners have all been through some type of heartbreak and are always in that moment of like, what the fuck do I do now? Like, I wish I had someone to get me through this. I think that's why people resonate with Eat, Pray, FML so much because they're like, it felt like someone was holding my hand through this shit show I was going through. So it, it surprises me that there's not more heartbreak coaches out there because so it's such a human experience. So many people go through it and it fucking sucks. When I went through my heartbreak, it was like, I've experienced death in my life and this is worse. Like it's like, there's some weird fucked up, just really shitty thing about being heartbroken that like, isn't comparable to anything else. Yeah. Well, I think there are more heartbreak relationship coaches out there now today, specifically heartbreak. Not so much. I I, I don't know. I, I try not to pay attention <laughs> because I want to stay in my own lane with what my message is, because I also think what is heartbreak coaching is very nuanced. What is relationship coaching? It really, you know, coaching is such an unregulated industry, so it's going to be different for everybody. But I also love hearing you say, I mean, that sounds kind of twisted. I love hearing you say that your heartbreak has been harder than experiencing death, like the death of a loved one. I always talk about this. I'm almost 42, as I just said, and I have yet to really experience like a very intimate, close loved one in my life oh, passing so on. Lucky. What's that like? So lucky. <laughs> I know. Well, what I live with then is the fear because I'm like, right, okay, right. so when's it gonna happen? But you know, I also wonder, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about this. You know, I'm very close to my parents, and yet I think when you lose a parent, which again is something I'm terrified of, it's something that we prepare for and we mm-hmm. know, and obviously stranger things can happen. Parents can lose children, but in general, we tend to prepare that, yes, once our parents are older, that they yeah. are going to pass on. Obviously, there's sudden deaths that we can't prepare for. It, you know, We can't cover every single scenario, but I think with heartbreak, if you really have this plan with this other person to mm. spend the rest of your life and that person person represents your other half. And I mean, again, I say that not to sound anti-feminist, but you know, where you have a whole future together and a life together, and that person's going to be your person. It's really hard when they're then removed from your life, whether he was a good guy or a bad guy or good girl, bad girl, however, whatever the gender you are pining over or hurting over, you know, thinking about them walking the earth 
yeah. without you and yeah. having a life and oh moving my God. on. Yeah. And it's like they still exist, but it feels like they're dead. It's like breakups are like a death. Yeah. And then now with social media, it makes it so much harder, which I have a whole stance on being connected with your ex on social media. I don't agree with it. At least <laughs> when you're, you know, obviously I'm good friends with two exes, but they're from years and years ago and it yeah. wasn't anything abusive or anything like that. But now today it's like, you can keep track of what they're doing or here's totally. multiple people or yeah. you have old friends who are connected to them on social media. And it would be weird if they blocked him just because you're not with him anymore. So then it's yes. like you, you're connected to people who even have information about it. I mean, it's so much harder, I think, today than ever to get over someone. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. It's crazy when you block someone on social media, how they cease to exist. Like yeah. it's like they're quite literally gone if you're not running into them at a day to day pace. But it's so interesting you say that because I talk about that on the show all the time is that one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do in life is grieve a person that is still alive. It, when someone dies and leaves this earth, it's tangible. You're like, they are dead. They're not here anymore. Their spirit has gone to wherever you believe, whatever, what have you. But when someone chooses not to be with you, but they're still like walking around the earth, like living life, it's like, okay, so you're feeling all the feelings of grief, like there's been a death in your life. But then on top of that, you know that it was their choice and they've like, they've chosen to not be with you. And it's a different kind of hurt, I feel. And then there's the mind fuck of hopefully he'll change his mind and come back. So you're not, right. it's, it's harder to lean into full acceptance that it's done if they're alive. So obviously we just need to murder them. Right. Clearly, like that's <laughs> the answer to all of our problems. I can think of, I can think of a handful of my friend's exes that I would, I shouldn't say that yeah. because God forbid just, they end up dead. They're going to be like, it was Gabrielle. <laughs> I know. Even as I said it, because I watch way too much Dateline NBC. <laughs> I know you also had Amanda Knox on. I was yeah. very closely following her story and watched that documentary. And so I'm just fascinated by stories, guilty or innocent. And totally. so, yeah, as I just said that, I'm like, maybe you should take that back. <laughs> but I'm not a murderer, but I'm just oh saying God. it could be easier if they were gone in that totally, way. <laughs> totally. And do you think that is at the core of why breakups are so hard to get over? 
Okay. I think that is a layer to it for sure. I also think back to what I said about one person representing so many things. I think Mm. we put a lot of weight into what that one partner should be. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. When I think of my partner now, and I know you're very happy and healed and moved on from your situation, he does represent everything to me. Yes, I have amazing girlfriends and there are certain things that I'll take to them that I'm like, eh. Larry will would prefer I just take this one to the, to the girls because he's mm-hmm. a dad of four kids and he has a big job. And so <laughs> right. I don't need him to be everything to me, but he really is everything to me. I know if there's anything I need from him, he is there. We have the passion, the chemistry, the fun, the friendship, the love, the support, the encouragement. And I also think growing up, we were taught, you know, I grew up in the eighties and the nineties. I was raised by Irish Catholic parents. Not that my mom was like, find yourself a husband. My mom was actually all about me, you know, getting, creating a great career for myself. But culturally it was impressed upon me that by 27, 28, I should be settled down with Mm. someone and be planning on having kids. So I think that there are social pressures that go along with it being really hard to get over a breakup. And yeah, and then just, I also genuinely think I, I, what something that I came to realize, Gabrielle, after moving through a bunch of heartbreaks with unavailable people was that I never really gave myself permission to recognize just for me personally, that love actually was the most important thing to me in life. And I was an actress and, you know, living this kind of feast or famine lifestyle in New York and LA, it was a great life in so many memories in so many ways, but there was a lot of struggle, but I was always really focused on that stuff. But then I was getting involved in a lot of drama with unavailable men and then being like, oh, but I'm just going to focus on my career. And I realized maybe a few months before I met Larry, my partner now, like, wait a second, this actually matters to me more than anything Mm. else. Having a sense of home, stability, partnership. And that's just for me. That's not for everybody. But I think no one ever gave me the permission to even, and and I'm not saying this in a victim-y way, I just like never allowed myself to go to the place of realizing that actually the most important thing to me is a romantic relationship that doesn't mean other things like my career and my friends and my loved ones and my health and all of that aren't. But that is the thing that really lights me up. And I've been with him for three and a half years and, you know, we have our challenges. I'm not saying we're like some perfect couple, but he's like the perfect person for me. And I believe I'm the perfect person for him. And we've had other challenges in our lives outside of each other, but having him in my corner is everything to me. So if I, if that gets taken away from me, it feels like the world is coming to an end. Call it codependent, call it unhealthy. I feel like we've got a healthy, solid partnership. I want him to do his own thing. We don't even live in the same place 100% of the time. He's got four kids. We live like seven minutes apart. I think we have a very healthy, balanced relationship, but I'm not afraid to say he's my world Mm -hmm. because he treats me like I'm his world and it's good and it works. It doesn't feel unhealthy or imbalanced or anything like that with my other relationships. So, Mm -hmm. but I also used to think that other partners were my world, but it was so imbalanced and unhealthy in different ways. And I had a lot of cleaning up to do with my own relationship with myself in order to attract someone. But I think all of that, the social pressures and that person representing so many different things. And just if you're someone who really just wants that, and it is very important, and I think it is the top if not the top priority, maybe the second priority for at least all of my clients, like love is the most important thing. 
or the second most if they're just like major, you know, majorly into their careers. Yeah. So it's hard when that gets taken away. Right. And what's your best suggestion? Like if it is taken away and someone's in the throes of heartbreak, like what are some of your tips on like, these are the things to remember while you're going through this process and to get through it? Yeah, I have a five-step process. You're welcome. I just gave you my five fingers as if you could count. We love that. <laughs> we love a good five-step process. <laughs> the actress in me is still here. I need to <laughs> demonstrate for you. So I have a five-step process to stopping wanting Mr. Miss Wrong back. The first step is just what we talked about before, cut contact. And yes. that means no social media. So it's just yes. a rip the Band-Aid. Everyone can do it. Now, I know it's really fucking hard to do. I always say this. If Larry left me tomorrow... I would not be able to just cut contact. But that really is the first step. And when I say cut contact, what when I say that would be hard for me, I wouldn't be calling him. I would be like, want to get to the bottom of it, hear it. But I think like disconnecting on social media because there's like this connection. Yeah. You still feel like, oh, I'm connected to this person. But ultimately, if you're really committed to stopping wanting the person back. Yes. Cut contact. Also cut contact with his family, friends. Yep. All of it. Like I would just unfollow, disconnect. Yeah. You don't want any reminders. And I know it's hard, but trust me, it's so much harder when you are connected to the person and they no yeah. longer want to be with you in that capacity. 100%. I say this all the fucking time. So I'm glad someone else is validating this. And also people that are like, oh, but like we ended on good terms. I don't want them to think they hate me. No, 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 I don't want that. him to think that I don't want no. him to think it's like, but if he, and look, we're talking from the perspective of we're heartbroken because that person has left the building, yes. right? You yes. know, that. but it could go the other way. I have a dear friend. She was heartbroken over hurting this person's heart, but she knew it wasn't the right thing. But we're right. speaking from this perspective. And this whole, I don't want him to think, you know, I get it. I get like worrying about what they're thinking. However, the work now is what do I want to think for me to best take care of me? Not, yes. oh, if I do this, then he'll think I'm bitter. If he'll, if I do this, then he'll think I care too much. If I do this and block the family, then they'll think I'm like, hurting so much or I'm mad or I don't like them. And I'm like, you are hurting. So that's right. okay. And like, it's, it's, it's okay. It's literally just as simple as being like, hey, I need to feel better. I need to protect my heart. I need yeah, to you can tell them. heal. And I'm going to disconnect for all of those reasons. That's totally valid. And if someone has a problem with that or judges you, Fuck them. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They're so gone anyway. <laughs> exactly. It works out for the best for everyone. Yeah. Okay. What's step two? Step two is just let your heart break. Now that may not sound groundbreaking, but look, we're already hurting, but the permission to let yourself hurt. I just think people want to railroad through the pain, bypass the pain and like either get him back or just not hurt anymore. And right. you just, you don't get to skip that part. Mm -hmm. This is the sucky part. You know, when people are like, oh, heartbreak coach, like, yeah, it's make me feel better. I'm like, oh, it's, I don't make them feel better right away. It's about moving through the pain consciously. So what mm -hmm. does that look like? Do you need to not go to work? Do you need to cut back on your hours? Do you need to say no to your best friend's engagement party? Cause it's just too freaking triggering. Like mm. whatever it is, for you to best take care of you? Do you need to just fall the fuck apart? Do you yeah. need to just crawl into bed? Do you need to just like, I just did a, I did a three-part series on my podcast about alcohol. And, you know, one of the episodes was about nursing your heart and 
managing your relationship with alcohol, nursing your broken heart. And it's like Mm -hmm. the health expert that I brought on, she said, you know, in the acute pain, like if you need a drink, that's fine. I would just not, you know, down the whole bottle, but you know, some comfort food, is it mac and cheese, like whatever it is that maybe you wouldn't normally that you treat yourself to. It's okay. If you want to have the Ben and Jerry's that you normally don't go to, like, what are ways that you can fall apart, comfort yourself, say no to all the obligations or say yes to the people who are comforting around you, like really letting your heart break, not needing to be on for anybody. It's okay to cry. It's okay to fall apart. Who cares how long it takes? Like if you had a friend who was suffering, would you tell her, well, get with it and go and, you know, get out of bed and, you know, just get going. And I I know loved ones say that to you because they don't want to see you hurt, but just pretending it's not there. Right is making it worse. Yeah, totally. So, and it's it's healthy to feel it and to be in it. That's where the growth is. That's and why that's that's what people don't want to do, right? Yeah. I totally agree. It's healthy yeah. to do it, but people are like I don't want to, I don't want to. And I get it, but you got to. Because yeah. you know what? It's just going to rear its ugly head elsewhere. Yep. Step 3 is create closure. And creating closure does not mean tapping him on the shoulder to be like, hey, I just was wondering if we could talk. I just had a few questions. Mm -hmm. No, you don't need to get the closure from the other person. Yeah, it's nice if you can. I think if you've been in a long-term relationship with someone and maybe there's like some unfinished business and you want to have another conversation, I'm not saying that's terrible, but eventually, right, once you've cut contact let your heart break. This is not some perfect linear process, right? You could cut contact, let your heart break. Oh my gosh. He reaches out, you reach out, which how so, because they're supposed to be blocked, but it happens, (laughs) right? And then figuring out, well, why is this best serving me? When you're really wanting to create the closure, create the closure for yourself. I think we want to get in the weeds and try to understand his behavior and how could he, I mean, my last heartbreak in 2017, the week before he was like, I see myself just falling in love with you. And I very much see a future with you. And then a week later, it was like, yep, nope, done. Bye. What and the it was fuck so was up cold. with 2017, dude? Like uh, the men just went through a fucking like weird stage in 2017. Cause that's what happened to me too. And I was laughing as you were saying, like, you know, create your own closure because in my second book, which uh, people who have read it, like know all too well, I was the queen of like, but like, let me go back and have one more conversation to get some closure. Let me go back and have sex one more time just to get some closure. Maybe this 15th time I go back, I'll get some fucking close. No, bitch. The closure does not come from him. The closure comes from you. The disrespect of the relationship, the actions he has shown you, that is the closure. The closure comes from within yourself. But the disrespect he displayed should be closure enough. 100%. 100%. And so, you know, I was racking my brain with that one, right? Like, how could you tell me last week this and now we're done? And we had challenges and struggles. It wasn't like I was completely blindsided, but I felt like we were really working through it. And then it was just like, nope, and so cold. And it's like, oh, thank you, sir, for showing me who you are, that you would be so... What what is the word that I'm looking for? Just so sloppy with your words. Like, I just think it's so, I would, I, I personally, and this is me totally on my high horse, have never used the word love like that mm. so intensely and then been like, actually, no, never mind. Like, yeah. that's you, dude. That's not right. me. And, you know, that's not who, I mean, I'm not going to have kids now because Larry is four, so that's plenty. But at the time, <laughs> I thought I wanted my own kids. You know, that's not who I want the father of my daughter to right. be. 
right. at this at this stage of your life, you're 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 close to 40 years old and this is what you're doing to women saying this. And and that's just like one little example. There were other things that were super just like as I step back, I'm like, what was I fighting for? Right. right? There was right. so much there. And here's the thing. There could be somebody listening who's like, but my guy wasn't a dick. He was a good guy. And right. like, he just had some stressful things going on in his life. And like, if he works that out, maybe he would come back to me and realize we are supposed to be together. Uh-huh. You know, at the end of the day, he has left the building. That's just it. And so you have to look for, and I say you have to, you do have to look for reasons why it's better without him. Because my favorite quote ever in all of the self-help books I've read is Byron Katie, who says, when you argue with reality, you suffer. Mm. And the reality is he has left the building. So when you want to argue with that, you're the only one suffering. Like, yes, you suffer because he left. And I'm not diminishing that. That sucks. Again, you have to process the pain. Step two, like there's no denying that. But when you are ready to feel better, the best way to do that. And that's really where the mindset work comes in that I teach, which is one of the mindset tools that I teach from Byron Katie's work is, you know, why is this better for me that he has gone, even if he was a quote unquote, good guy. Right. And let me tell you something, I've been doing this work now, like specifically on heartbreak since 2017, because that guy was the catalyst for me to go specifically into heartbreak coaching. I have not had one client and I've coached a lot of people, Gabrielle, not one client walk away from my work and be like, no, I still think he's the one who got away. Oh, Ever. I have, right? I, I have friends like, I need to send you, girl. <laughs> There's no one who got away because if they yeah. left, and this is where I really believe in the bigger spiritual picture, I promise you there is a better reason that he left than for him to stay. And yes. I don't mean that in the, because of who he is and who you are. I mean that in the bigger picture for your life. Yes, 100% in agreement with that. I hope everyone rewinds five minutes and re-listens to all of that just to really hammer it the fuck home. Okay, what's the next step? Step four, and it involves really a few steps here. It's very cliche self-help, but I really like to get more specific on it. It's fall in love with you. So cut contact, let your heart break, create closure. So now we're moving away from him and we're putting the focus now onto you with step four, fall in love with you. Well, what does that look like? Well, I attract a lot of clients who already have a great job. They love where they live. They've got really good friends, family. Maybe there's some drama with family, but like overall things are pretty solid. They're feeling good in their body. They've like quote unquote, got it all, but it's just this one area in their life. And they think like everything else is perfect. And again, same thing. Not everything is perfect. And the thoughts that you're thinking about yourself is what's attracting these unavailable people. So the drama usually comes up in their job or with their friends, or they realize, oh, wait, maybe I'm not as like confident in my body as I thought I was. Maybe I do think my worth is tied up in money. And we start just looking at different areas of their lives where they're struggling. For me at the time, uh, I'm just using the 2017, I had my rock bottom at you know, 2009, 2010, but the last breakup in 2017, I was still building my coaching business and I had a personal assistant job. That guy was an Ivy League grad and he definitely had some digs on me about, you know, where I was at in my career and kind of frowned upon life coaching versus therapy and would just like make these digs that quote unquote made me feel insecure. But the truth is 
I was insecure. So of course I attracted this partner who was going to make these digs at me and frown upon me yeah. with where I was at in my career and what I was doing because I wasn't secure in that. So yeah. after you, that breakup, I was would... like, I got to get more secure in me before I start worrying about finding someone else to give me that security. And that's just one example. Yeah. 100%. You attract people into your life that are going to mirror the shit you need to fix and heal. And relationships are like the biggest example of that. Exactly. So again, for anyone listening who's like, nope, I'm secure in every other area except this. No, I don't, you're not. I no, don't believe you. No, you're fucking not. Like, absolutely. I can't even say that. And I'm pretty fucking like healed and every aspect of my life is pretty fucking the great right now. The work never stops. Never, yes. You're never like that. Yeah. Exactly. But it's just interesting the way I see this happen with a lot of single women. No, these are all good. Right. right, right and it's right. like, that, no, that's not the issue. So let's just clean up some shit from my past ex and let's find me a man. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, no, no, no. I want to look at you and your relationship with you. And we don't get to just like jump into the find someone better section. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I love that. Step four is the most important, like by the far. most important. So there's multiple steps there. And and a big part of that is loving your singledom, loving mm. you being single at whatever the fuck age you are. Yes. I don't care if you're 45. And that was something I really made peace with at 38 before I met my partner. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm 38. I feel so good in who I am and what I do. And I'm just so proud of myself. And I've come so far and I, you know, led this off the beaten path, you know, journey that's not the same as most of my friends from high school and college. And I own the fuck out of that. And I don't give two shits that I didn't get married. Like I, I really owned it. And it's not something that you can, you know, fake yeah. or put on. It's like, hell yeah, I'll be the single girl at the wedding. This is going to be so much fun. You know, and again, I'm not trying to be an asshole here because I've been that person. Yeah. Been, miserable in so many different areas of my life. And so I just really went to work with cleaning that up before looking for a man, because of course, like I was attracting all these unavailable relationships, yeah. struggling financially, struggling with my body, struggling drama with friends. Like, yeah, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about the assholes I attracted, but I was quite a hot mess myself. And so those relationships woke me up to be like, wait, you're attracting them to just what you said, Gabrielle, they're the mirror reflection of me. Now I didn't treat them like shit. I didn't, you know, gaslight them and cheat on them and lie. Right? right. But there was like the lack of love for myself was still being attracted to these people who were demonstrating a lack of love. Yeah, totally. Step five, the final one, which is also a process as well is find someone better when you, <laughs> yes. you know, it's like everyone wants to stop wanting their ex back. But ultimately, they get to work on doing that because I do think they want love. Mm -hmm. We all, I, I really, I mean, I know there are some people who are totally, I know those people, but I think there are very few people walking this earth who are like, I'm good on my own. And maybe you think you're good on your own because you just never experienced the beauty of that kind of a connection, but it is so possible if you want to put in that work. And some right. people are like, I don't want to put in the work. And it's like, okay, then, then accept that you might not have that kind of epic love story. And it might not be as high of a priority as it was for me. Right. And that's totally to each fine. their own. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So after step five, let's say we've gone through this like epic fucking, how do I get out of this heartbreak bullshit? When do you think after a breakup is the right time to start dating again and putting yourself out there? Great question. I really do think it depends on the individual and you just have to see. Sometimes it's going to be quicker for people to get over somebody. Sometimes it isn't. I think it very much depends on the length of the relationship. But 
I try not to lean on, okay, by this time when I'm taking on a client, I hear their story and I say, here's a loose timeline of where I think we could go. Let's see where that goes. But then life also happens to what you were, we were just talking about before, you know, what if there's a death or a job loss or something and it just gets derailed and we're not directly moving through the heartbreak Mm -hmm. or sometimes it just like miraculously shifts much quicker. And it's like, you know, I just said this to a client this week, you know, what do you think? She finally nipped this four-year terrible relationship Mm -hmm. in the bud in December. And I really thought we were going to need to take some time. But the truth is we were really working for a year on her getting out of that situation, almost getting out, got out, kind of went back. And this was like nail in the coffin. We are not doing this. Yeah. And let's go. And she like really finally laid it all out. I know it's different this time. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. And I just said to her, like, what do you think about just starting to look at the process of calling your person in? So right. I know it's not a very concrete answer, but no, you have to but check in with sense. yourself. You have to make sure that you're feeling good. I think you've got to know, have I really healed over this last relationship? And do I really get the lesson here? And am I really good on my own? Mm-hmm. And then I think from there, like, after the work that I was doing on the fall in love with you, my life was so good, Gabrielle. I was like, I don't really think I want to start dating. Uh, again. I don't want to rock that boat. And then I was like, Claire, don't lie to yourself. You know, you want partnership. Right. right. And I think that one thing important to remember when we're talking about this is to not allow the pain to be so great that you're like, fuck it. I just want to go out and be with anybody. I don't care because that two things happen. You're, you're going to continue attracting like the bullshit assholes that you've been attracting in the past, A, because you haven't fixed your shit. And B, you run the risk of meeting a really great person and really hurting them because you're not ready to be in that space yet. Exactly. And then, I don't know, are you a Bachelor fan? Uh, unfortunately. Yes, oh, me too. I love it's it. I so, but it's my biggest I, guilty pleasure. And like, I feel like each season gets worse and worse, but I can't stop watching. It gets worse and worse. I actually haven't tuned into Zach's because I thought this time I was going to skip it. I was like, I had my reasons. It doesn't matter. But anyway, Caitlin Bristow. Yeah. She had just gotten out of the relationship with Sean, who she right. did The Bachelorette with. And they broke up and it was like very shortly after she started dating Jason, who's now mm-hmm. her fiance. And I had guessed it on her podcast and we were talking about it. It's like, there's also, I feel like Jason came into her life because she was in a place where she's like, I'm okay on my own. Oh yeah. And like, she was really upset about, and I'm not trying to like gossip here or anything. This was a conversation that no, we- No, no, no. I know Caitlin. I know Caitlin. I've been on her show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. And I do think there's something to be said when you're so clear it's done, even though you're still raw and fragile. And this amazing person comes in and he was just like, Hey, I'm here. And she was like, yeah, Yeah. that's nice. She was like a little bit like, yeah, I don't really believe that. That was me after my divorce. I was like, cool, great. We're done. Awesome. Like I'm going to go live this fantastic life over here. And then fucking my other ex walks (laughs) into the scenario and just blew my life up. But yeah, I mean, I think if you're in a mental headspace and sometimes that happens when mentally you've checked out of the relationship like long before it actually ended, that's totally fine. If you're like fully like, yeah, I'm fucking healed and I'm okay and I'm going to go, I'm going to go this way. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So that's the thing. It's like overall, I'm a big fan of 
not rushing into anything, but also I've seen stranger things happen and you just have to really check in with yourself. And yes, I love the point you make really respect someone else who might be more ready. I mean, my partner, he, he was out of his marriage two years and I still could see that he was just fragile from it, you know, and really just going in eyes wide open and like checking in and, and listening to your gut. I mean, that was another thing that I just didn't do for so many years, Gabrielle, Mm. really paying attention to your gut that, you know, okay, who is this person in front of me? Where am I at? What am I ready to take on? And also being transparent because I think, and I don't want to speak for Caitlin by any means, but I think she was very like, yeah, I just got out of this insane relationship or just not insane, but just breakup, big public, heavy, painful breakup. And now you're here and it's like, you seem amazing, but I'm a little like, okay, dude, right? Right? It's like, really? Is it going to be that easy that just right, like right. Mr. Knight in shining armor will in? And sometimes that happens. Yeah. And, so and we, love, now. we love pressing the easy button. Okay. So we've gone through the breakup. We're like, okay, well, when is the time to start dating again? So many of my listeners will write in and say, okay, I'm ready to start dating again, but I'm so terrified of rejection. Mm. How do you not take rejection personally when things don't work out? Love this question. Here's the deal, especially in the first few dates, nothing can be personal. I know that's easy for me to say sitting here, but really and truly, that person does not know you. You do not know them. What's come up for a few of my clients in the recent months is, you know, well, they say to me on the first date, I really want to see you again. And then they ghost me like, Mm. what the hell? Like, who does that? I would never do that. And I'm like, this is a person you met on the internet who (laughs) gave you a lie clearly, because now we know, and you're all up in arms, taking it personally and wanting to have a better understanding when the reality is really and truly, and this is going to sound tough, but who cares? Yeah. Who cares that you went on one date with someone who went out of his way to say, I'd like to see you again. By the way, it happened to me many times. So Mm -hmm. I've been in your shoes and like, this is the name of the dating game. We all go out with each other. I'm all about being respectful. If someone's treated me to dinner or drinks and been a kind person, and then they ask me out again, I'm going to not ghost because I believe in karma. (laughs) Treat people people the way you want to be treated. But we have to know that when we're getting on the dating apps, This is what I say to my clients all the time. Majority of them suck. And we're not looking for a majority. We're looking for the one. So I also think this goes in line with let your heart break. You can feel the disappointment and the suck and Mm -hmm. the rejection and allow yourself to feel that pain and keep going. I think there's also something to be said about bringing yourself back to reality. And since we're on the bachelor train, let's use that as a reference. People (laughs) watch the show and they're like, These girls are getting sent home night one. Why the fuck are these bitches outside crying like their goddamn life is over? They don't even know this fool. But it's because they've spent months and months and months fantasizing about this fucking experience they're going to have and how they're going to make it all the way to the end and how they're going to have this epic love romance. So it's not about the fact that the dude on the other end actually was like, no, I'm good and like broke her heart. It's the idea of all the what ifs she's put in her fucking head that are breaking her heart. So if you've spent all this time like texting with this guy that you've never met before and you're like building it all up in your fucking head and you go on one or two dates and then it doesn't work out, bring yourself back to the reality of like, 
you didn't really invest anything in this person. You didn't really know enough about this person to know if like you loved him as much as you think you do in your head. Bring yourself back to reality and be like, okay, it's like live in the moment and like realize it's not that big of a deal. Such an excellent point. Yeah. Such an excellent point, which then goes back to why are breakups so hard? Because we put all this energy and all yeah. this social pressure into one person filling this one big role. And so mm-hmm. you asked how to handle the rejection. So like, and not to take it personally, but also how to feel less pain in the process, slow your fucking roll. Yeah. Why are you talking to this person every single day, texting them all day, every day, leading up to the date for them to meet in person where it's a very different experience. And all of a sudden they drop off and you're setting yourself up for a lot of pain and then spiraling in your head about what was it about me? And I'm not attractive enough, or I'm not this, or I'm not that. And it's like, there's a myriad of of reasons why that you're never going to know, but slow it down. And I say the same for after date one, slow it down. Don't make yourself so available. Don't show all your cards. Make sure that he's asking you out several days in advance that he's respecting your time, respecting your schedule, and you're not seeing them more than three times a week max. I, I really suggest, oh, sorry. I actually now suggest two. I take it back because be in the rest of your life. And also you should be dating other people, even if this guy like totally automatically has a hold on your heart and your vagina, I don't care. (laughs) Don't put your all your eggs in one basket right off the bat because you do not know him yet. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're like playing stupid games of like, let me wait to text him back for three hours. And it's not I don't think no, that's what you're saying. No, text him back right away. Yeah. yeah. It's no, just, it's don't not... make yourself available all the time. It's an energy. Yeah, it's not playing games. It's don't fucking love bomb yourself. Like, don't get wrapped up in, like, the speed of which things need to go because it's not healthy. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so how can someone tell if they're starting to go out and date people? How can somebody tell if someone is unavailable or not ready to be in a relationship if they can't just come out and straight up fucking say it. Well, yeah, because a lot of them say they are looking for a relationship. Right. So right. then they're like, oh, well, he said he was looking for a relationship. I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah. It's like when people say in the dating apps, looking for someone who's really funny. But what does funny mean to you? Like funny is very specific for me. Right. right. So take all of that with a grain of salt. Okay. It can go two ways. One can be that he's super hot, 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 wants to see you all the time, is blowing up your phone constantly, following you on social media, constantly texting you, trying to line up more multiple dates at the same time, someone who's future tripping with you, talking about the future right away, someone who's telling you love bombing, as you just said, all of his feelings for you right off the bat. Oh, I haven't felt this way in so long. Someone who wants you to get off the dating apps right away, even Mm -hmm. though you don't even know. So I would say when they're coming in super hot like that, red flags all around. And I think a lot of younger women mistake that for, oh, he likes me. No, he's just... Hi, I'm younger women. This is about me and my ex. (laughs) Hello, I should also raise my hand. I'm just saying because now I'm 42. And then then on the flip side, Gabrielle, which is what a lot of my clients, I see them doing the mental gymnastics is just like not really knowing when you're going to see them next or you're in the middle of conversation and then it just like drops off or you go on a date and then they like circle back and they're texting you, but they're not asking you out again. I'm also not opposed to a woman asking. And again, I'm speaking in heteronormative terms here. I'm not opposed to a woman asking a man out or just being like, 
you know, if you're having a nice text exchange and you guys just went out, you know, when would you like to grab a drink again? You know, if it feels organic, yeah, just totally. feel it out. But when they're just a little bit wishy-washy or oh, I'm going to have to get back to you because I mean, this just happened with a client where he was like, oh, I have to like rent a car and I have to go somewhere, but I'm not really sure if I'm going to do it. And I'm like, well, you know, an available guy would just be like, well, if I am renting this car and I have to drive for three hours right. back and forth, why don't you come with me? Like, you know, Figure just it the like, fuck out. Yeah. It's like so hard to lock a plan down or he like pops up two weeks after the first date and is like, yeah. hey, and it's like, oh, he still likes me. It's like, it's just no. not good enough. And I, yeah. I think of it like Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold. You want someone who's going to be just right. And you've yes, got to feel that, that out. Yeah. It's like, stop accepting the bare minimum as acceptable. If he fucking wanted to, he would. Exactly. Period. And look, there's always, this is what I love about the coaching and, and my group coaching, especially I, I do coach one-on-one, -on -one, but what I love about the group is that the women get to see each other get coached mm. and there's always exceptions to every rule. So I of have course. a big course in there. It's 75 videos and it's like a, a, the step-by-step -step process. Stop wanting them back, find someone better. I have a bonus dating guide and it's kind of what happens in the first couple of dates and what you're standards and etiquette and expectations should be and like moving through it. But, you know, there's always going to be exceptions to every rule. Let's say you go on a great date with someone and you had such a good time, but then that person drops off and he comes back two weeks later and it's like, yeah, not great. But if you're curious and or intrigued enough, you could go out again and, you know, have another great time with him and then say like, hey, I had a great time with you. I'm so glad to hear from you again. What is it that you're looking for? Because I was a little right. bummed that I didn't hear from you for two weeks and not right. say it in this like mothering tone, but just kind no. of getting it out there to be like, I'm intrigued, but where'd you go for two weeks? Like maybe yeah. that guy was like, I was actually just wrapping up a relationship and I was into you too. And here I am. And now, you know, right. being communicative, sometimes there's signs of unavailability that my clients will see with their, you know, whoever they're going out with and there isn't enough information. Go out again and find out. Like it's not right. going to kill you to go find out what the deal is. Like, you know, I think sometimes it's like, oh, well, I don't want to go out with him again if I already know that he's unavailable. Right, it's like, right. It's one date. Find yeah. out if you're intrigued enough. Yeah, absolutely. I love that advice. Okay, so tell me if people want to know a little bit more about the coaching and they're like, oh my God, I need I need your help, Claire. Um, where do they go? What's the What are the classes? What's the info that you can give everybody? Oh, thanks for asking. You can go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. It's C-L-A-I-R-E. And I have a group coaching program and uh, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching right now. And you can just click on the work with me page and you can check out all the info about each of those offers. And there's an application to fill out to work with me. I love that you do group stuff. That's fucking awesome for people to like not have to do the whole like one on one thing and they want to like be able to learn from everybody else. That's really great. Yeah. And it really is for both heartbreak and dating. People are like, oh, is it only one or the other? And it's really amazing how much they learn from each other. Even it could be a call where a girl raises her hand and is, you know, talking about a second date and another one is raising her hand and she's in the midst of the heartbreak because it's really yeah. always comes back to what you're thinking and feeling about it and how to shift your perspective. And like, you can yeah. always just be learning regardless of the stage. But also, you know, I actually just recently brought back one-on-one -on -one because I realized there are some things that are just too personal totally. in this space that some people just, you know, if you're just coming off the heels of a very narcissistic, abusive relationship and you didn't even know, I mean, that was me. I don't know about you if you didn't understand what it was yeah, until... Totally 
afterwards. And then you're like trying to just sort of put the pieces of the puzzle and you're in the trauma and you're moving through the loss. It might feel like it's too much in a group setting. It is an anonymous group setting. I think it's a very safe space. I'm very selective about who I bring in to make sure, you know, they don't interact with each other. It's just Zoom and they watch me coach, but they're learning so much. And it it feels like you're starting to know everybody. So I think that there's an appropriate time and place for each of those. So that's why I'm bringing back the one-on-one. That's awesome. Claire, this has been so great. So much great information. I so appreciate you sharing all of it. Can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Yes, I'm at Claire, the heartbreak coach. And I forgot to also say I have a podcast too called Stop Wanting and Back and Find Someone Better. If you're such a great name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So at Claire, the heartbreak coach and yeah, you can get more free content too at the podcast. So I always like to make sure that people have access to something. And I've, I write for Courtney Kardashian's push.com. So I have a bunch of the articles that I've written on my website as well. So there's something for everybody. (laughs) Oh my God, Claire, this has been so great. Thank you so much for uh, helping, helping everybody heal their hearts. Oh, Gabrielle, thank you so much for the work that you're doing too. It's amazing. And I so appreciate you having me. It was so much fun chatting with you. Oh, thank you for that. I want to thank Claire so much for coming on and sharing all her goodness with us. Please go check out her pages, especially if you are going through the shit. She has some really incredible tips and videos on her page as well. And I hope that if you are not going through heartbreak right now, which I'm so happy for you, (laughs) um, that this episode still gave you some insight into how to create healthy relationships in your life, whether they're romantic or not, how to let go of some of those toxic relationships that are in your life, whether they are romantic or not. Because we all just want to have those like high vibrating, good feeling, beneficial, really healthy relationships in our lives. And I hope this episode gave you some insight into help you to do that. I love you guys so much. I will see you all next week. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatpreyfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.